And if you uh, have a Bible with you, please turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew 13. There's almost nothing better than celebrating baptisms and just celebrating the Lord's work in our lives. Sinners saved by grace. Grace and grace alone. Just a testimony of grace here uh, with these youth. And we thank, thank the Lord for that. Matthew 13. In just a second, we're going to read just one verse this morning. Verse 44. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we just open our hearts to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love poured out in and through Christ. And we would ask, Father, now for the ministry of your Holy Spirit in this room, working in and through your word. We thank you for it. We trust that you will minister to us whatever it is we need this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, my initial plan uh, for today was to continue preaching through the book of Acts where we've been lately, but the past few weeks I have felt very compelled to go in a different direction uh, here this morning. Seemed like it might be the Holy Spirit ran it past the elders, and here we are in Matthew 13. One of the reasons is because of these baptisms this morning, I think, but there's, there's another reason we're here, I think, and, and here it is. You know, over the past year or so, God seems to have carried this church of ours into a little season of what I would call feasting. Uh, you know, God is sovereign over the individual lives of Christians. He, he's sovereign over, over churches, and He carries churches into different seasons. He can carry us into seasons of famine and seasons of feasting. And, and a season of famine for a church may, may mean a little more pain in that church, and crises in, in that church, and, and maybe sickness or sin issues. The Lord just molding the church through trials and, and, and suffering. As, as the, the church may be shrinking in size as God purifies it. It's, it's the winter season of life where the days just look darker. Everything looks dead. These seasons of famine that God can carry a church through. But, you know, God can also take a church through seasons of, of feasting. Times when things just feel a little bit easier, uh, fewer crises maybe, fewer trials, the church may be growing in size, the, the springtime of life where it seems like the sun is shining again in the church and things look like they're alive uh, again, seasons of feasting. And God is sovereign over both of those things. He uses both of those things for our good. And God recently seems to have, to have carried our church into this little season of feasting. We, if you have not noticed it, have grown over the past few years. Hard to fit in here now. And just as we've outgrown this facility, well, God very unexpectedly gave us a new facility, East Ridge High School. We tried to get that place for years, and it was always booked by some other church. And just when we needed it, it was suddenly available. More space, and I saw it plenty of classrooms. Our first service there, November 3rd, 
And we now have our first church planting resident, Josh Williams, who was late for the baptisms this morning. Thankful he still has some time in his residency so we can shore up a few things. But uh, Josh is now with us, planning to go out, Lord willing, with some people from our church to West St. Paul, most likely to plant a new church, which we have desired to do for nine years. And it is now happening by the grace of God. Just these kind little graces from the Lord. It just feels like this season of feasting. And one reason why we think God led us in a new direction with this sermon this morning, well, we think God might want to say something to us now in this season of feasting. God's saying to us something like this. Christ Redeemer Church, in this season of feasting, exciting, activity, growth, transition, enjoy it, give thanks for it, and do not forget who you are by the grace of God. And you know, that is the danger in times of feasting in the Christian life. Those times of prosperity or those, those times of pleasure, we can lose our way. We can forget God. We can forget who God has created us to be. And we believe now in this season that God wants us as a church to remember who we are. That God wants to keep us grounded and on track. And so over the next couple of months, as we transition here and get settled and talk church planting, we might take a couple of opportunities from this pulpit to remember who we are. And the thing that has been absolutely burning on my heart recently is this. Who are we, Christ Redeemer Church? Who are we as a church? One thing we desperately need to remember in this season, we are a church that treasures Christ. Above all other things, a Christ-treasuring church, that is at the very core of who we are. We are nothing in and of ourselves. We are just a bunch of yahoos saved by God's grace who now treasure, who now find our supreme joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is really what the Christian life is all about. That is what Christianity is all about, treasuring Christ. And we see that here in this little parable, just one verse that captures the core of the Christian life, the core of who we are as a church. Let's read it. Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus is talking here, and he says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Amen. Two simple points in this parable. Here they are on the screen. Number one, first thing we see here, treasure hidden. Second thing, treasure found. And the first thing here, number one, treasure hidden. I just want you to pause, step into that story, the little parable Jesus told there. See if you can picture it. A man walking through a, a field. Maybe some trees, some, some rocks, uh, so, so an open grassy area. Not his field. 
He will buy it later, but it's owned now by someone else. And Jesus says that hidden in this field is a treasure. And that's what people did with valuables back in Jesus' day. They buried them. You use Bank of America. They use Bank of Underground. They hid them to keep them safe. And this treasure here, you know, it might have been buried years ago. Because nobody, it seems, knows that the treasure is there. Not even the owner of the field. And I want you to think here of an infinitely valuable treasure. That's one of the points of this story. The man could not possibly buy the treasure priceless. And Jesus says here that this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. An infinitely valuable treasure hidden in a field. And what is the treasure exactly in the kingdom of heaven, in the Christian life? Well, to put it in very simple terms, the treasure is Christ. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ, eternal Son of God. Jesus is the supreme king in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the focal point. Jesus is the fulfillment of all things in God's kingdom of heaven. The infinitely valuable treasure is the person of Jesus Christ. Now listen, many Christians are not used to talking about Christ as treasure. But he is. Let me give you just a little taste of what the Bible says about Jesus. Colossians 1. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. When Jesus Christ came to earth, he made the invisible God visible for us. In Jesus Christ, here in the scriptures, we can now see God. We can now know God. And why? John 1, because Jesus is God. The eternal word of God in human flesh. And Colossians 1, this entire universe was created by Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus. John chapter 3, Jesus is the one and only true sacrificial lamb slaughtered for the sin of the world. John 6, Jesus is the bread of life. The only bread that will ever satisfy your soul hunger. John 7, Jesus is the water of life. The only water that will quench your soul thirst. John 10, Jesus is the good shepherd who knows and protects his little sheep. Proverbs 19, Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Isaiah 42, Jesus is forever with his people when they pass through the waters in the fire of suffering. Song of songs, Jesus is the one whose love is far better than wine. The only one in whom your soul will ever find true delight. And 2 Corinthians 4, in the face of of Jesus Christ, we can now see the very glory of God himself. You can now see and savor the glory of the one true God in Christ. And I could go on. There's just tons of reasons why the Bible says that Christ is the all-surpassing treasure hidden in the field. Most valuable thing that you could ever possess. That you might see Christ and know Christ and be loved by Christ and be with Christ forever. 
And please hear me. That is Christianity. Finding and having forever this infinitely valuable treasure. You know, a lot of people think Christianity is just what Jesus does for you. And you know what? That is amazing what Jesus does for us. He lived, died, he rose again to pay the penalty for sin. And if you now just turn from your sin in genuine repentance, you cling to Christ and you follow Christ in faith, Jesus forgives you. He washes you, demonstrated in the baptisms here today. And he gives you heaven when you die. That's amazing what Jesus can do for you. But the best part by far is not what Jesus does for you but that Jesus actually gives to you himself. You get God. The all-surpassing treasure in this universe. That's Christianity. You get God. You get Christ. That's Christianity, primary point of the whole thing. Back in the Garden of Eden, when man rebelled against God, we essentially lost God. Banished from His presence because sinful people just can't live in the presence of the Holy God. We would be destroyed. We, we, we could no longer see and savor God's glory as, as a human race. So God came to fix it in Christ. He died and rose again to pay for sin. Not just so you could be forgiven and go to heaven when you die No, he did it to bring you back to God. Back to himself. Jesus came to give you God, to give you the all-surpassing treasure. And do you realize that's the treasure that you were created to experience? Do you know why your heart now longs in this life to find treasure that will satisfy Do you know why the whole human race now gropes everywhere searching desperately in relationships or possessions or in pleasure for some all-satisfying treasure? Because you were created to enjoy a treasure. And Jesus came to give you God, the treasure. But at the start of this parable here, the treasure's hidden. This man in the field, he's standing right beside the treasure, but he, he, he doesn't know the treasure is there, and that right there, that man, that's, that's just a picture of a lot of people in the world today who've never even heard of Christ the treasure. The reason we want to go out as a church and tell them about this treasure, but please listen to me. That man in this story, that's not just people who've heard, who haven't heard about Christ, that is also a lot of people today who have heard of Christ. They've heard sermons about Christ. They've read scriptures about Christ, maybe. They're sitting in some church service today, but they've not yet really seen Christ. Not yet really tasted Christ down in the affections of the heart. They've not really come to know Christ as the glorious treasure that He is. And Christ might seem useful to them in some way to get them to heaven, but Jesus Christ is not yet beautiful to them. Because the Bible says our our fallen hearts are darkened. 
But by sin, the spiritual eyes blind, our, our spiritual ears deaf. And the Bible says that we see as human beings, but we can't see. We hear, but we can't hear. And Christ is set right before many people every Sunday, but the treasure still hidden. And we see, all we see around us is just some very boring field. We hear about Jesus, but he's boring. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he says this. He says, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. People see Christ, hear Christ every Sunday maybe, maybe but can't yet really see and, and really hear, can't see him, can't taste him to be the treasure he is. In the final book of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia book series, the last book, The Last Battle, there's a, a group of dwarves and Aslan, who is a picture of Christ, he stands right in front of these dwarves and they just can't see him. And, and he shakes his, his mane and he lays out this glorious feast for them. And they eat, but they can't taste. They think they're eating manure. They, they raise the cup of wine to their lips and say, ah, drinking water from a trough. It's the picture of, of those, the, 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 the treasure right in front of them. Christ being proclaimed to them, but he is still hidden. And all you see is a boring field. That's the first part of this parable, the treasure hidden. But part two, treasure found. If you look again at verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So catch the picture again, this man walking through this field, past some trees, maybe he kicks something on the ground, he looks down and something catches his eye, shining in the sun, drops to his knees, brushes away the dirt, and there it is, world's greatest treasure. The man is stunned by its beauty, by its worth, and that right there is someone who just received light in his soul. You know, you and I, by nature, we are dwarves. I hate to tell you, our, our hearts just naturally darkened by, by sin, our eyes blind, our ears deaf. We, we see Christ but can't see Christ. We hear about Him but can't really hear until, that is, God very mercifully looks on you in great love and He says, let there be light and your heart flames with light and you 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 don't see it perfectly at that time but now you this Jesus you've maybe heard about for years bored to tears he now suddenly looks different and he catches your 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 eye shining radiant just a glimpse maybe at that point but you know that is treasure 
Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, after he talked there about how the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the glory of God in Christ, well, Paul then talks about how God changes that. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Paul says that God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, referring to the book of Genesis, when God first created the world, God speaking light into that darkness, well, Paul says that same God now has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You, 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 you suddenly, you, you suddenly now see in Jesus, this one who may have bored you for years, the very glory, the very beauty of the one true God. You, you see treasure. I want you to notice something in here in this parable. Jesus is a fantastic teacher. He makes a very important point here. If this man here now just found the treasure, if he wants to have this treasure, there's a cost. And what will it cost him? Everything he has. Because this is not his field. So it's not yet his treasure. And there's only way to get this treasure. He knows he can't steal the treasure. knows he definitely cannot buy this treasure. But if he scrounges together all the stuff he has, he can just barely buy this measly little field. And in buying the field, he can gain the treasure. Very shrewd. So he covers the treasure back up and he goes off to buy the field. But please notice, he has to make a choice. He must make a choice. It is not a both and here, gets to keep all his stuff and get the treasure, gets to eat his cake and have it too, as we might say. No, this is an either or. He has to choose one or the other. And please hear this, it's the same with you. If you want to have Christ and all Christ offers... If you want his forgiveness, you want heaven when you die, the Bible is clear there is a cost. Now, now some people today will not tell you about a cost. They will just tell you to pray a little prayer, ask Jesus into your heart, and you get to go to heaven. No talk of any cost whatsoever. But I'm here to tell you there is a cost in the Christian life. And what's the cost? Everything you have. Your entire life. Jesus says it very clearly. Here it is, Luke 14, 28. Jesus says this, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce or give up all that he has cannot be my disciple, cannot be saved. You, you, you want Christ and all that Christ offers. Well, you must give up. You must renounce. You must let 
go deep in your heart all that you have. Christianity is not a both and. Keep all your stuff and get Christ. It is an either or. Choose one or the other. You cannot cling to all your stuff in this life deep in your heart. You cannot continue to be your own master. Do whatever you want in this life and also have Christ. Jesus says in the Bible that if you save your life, if you cling in your heart to all your stuff, won't truly let him be master, you will lose your life, Jesus says. You lose Christ and you lose the treasure. But Jesus says, if you will lose your life, if you will let go in your heart of all your things, all your reputation, you'll truly let him be master, you will, Jesus says, save your life, you get Christ, the treasure. This man here must give up all he has. And and listen, if you're sitting here today and, and you've not yet truly seen Christ, you, you, you've heard about him. You've been in services for your whole life. He's never really looked to you to be an all-surpassing treasure. People point you to Christ maybe every Sunday. You, you, you've read about him. Uh, you may even have some sort of profession in Christ from a very early age, like four or five. But you don't really see treasure there in Christ. You still just see some boring field. Listen to me. If that's you, there's no possible way you will give up everything to buy that dumb field. You will not do it. Nobody would. I would. None of us would. That will sound, if I'm in that position, it will sound like an impossibly high cost. No way I would ever pay that cost. But listen, the second God looks at you and he says, let there be light. And suddenly you, you catch a glimpse of, of, of the, 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 there's a treasure actually here. The radiant glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know what happens? You go all in instantly. All your chips on the table ready to renounce in your heart everything in order to gain that treasure. And we see that here with this man. You know, two seconds before he found this treasure, no way he would have given up everything to buy a dumb field. But two seconds after he found the treasure, he goes off instantly to sell all that he has. And did you see what Jesus said there? How this man did it? Look at the middle of verse 44 again. He finds the treasure, buries it again shrewdly, and then in his joy, Jesus says, in his joy, goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. It's, it's not some act of drudgery here. Guess I got to get up, give up everything for this dumb field because the guy in the pulpit told me to. No, in his joy, Jesus says, heart bursting with joy now, instantly giving up all he has and why he saw the treasure in the field. It was the treasure that made the difference that flipped his heart. And he now goes. And he knows When he does this, why does he do this? This exchange? Because he knows 
I am getting something so much better. 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 That's Christianity. Better than your drugs. Better than your alcohol. Better than your money. Better than your fame. Better than your house. Better than anything you can attain for yourself in this life. Jesus Christ is better. That's the overwhelming testimony of the Word of God. And the question is, have you seen it? Do you believe it? Because the second you do, something happens. And Jesus says, you must renounce. And you say, gladly, show me how. What does that look like to be with you forever? And he goes all in. That's just naturally what happens when we truly see Christ catch a glimpse of his glory, his radiance, his beauty. Giving up all, it's not some act of drudgery. No, the human heart just naturally in joy, bursting with joy, goes all in. Chips on the table, have it. Now, none of us does that perfectly, instantly. I'll get to that in a second. But your heart changes. Paul says this, Philippians 3.8. He says, I count everything as loss. I have given up all I have. And why? Because, he says, of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Do you see there again, there's a choice that was made. All that Paul had, or Christ, but he went all in with Christ. Why? Because he saw the all-surpassing worth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what happens. You you see the treasure, the all-surpassing worth of knowing Christ, and you give up everything. Enjoy. Now, I don't think that always happens all at once in every Christian's life. You know, when a a person first turns to Christ in this life in faith, it's often just primarily because you see something useful in Jesus. I mean, you're recognizing that you're a sinner and he will give you a free forgiveness and, and take you to heaven. And you realize that will be very useful to you. And that's okay. You might not believe, you, or you might believe in your heart at that point that Christ is treasure, but you haven't yet tasted it all that much. But you still turn to Christ in, 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 in faith and turn to him for mercy and he gives you mercy. But over time then, the Spirit works in a believer's heart and you begin to see more clearly, begin to know Christ more fully, begin to taste Christ more deeply and Christ is now much more than just useful to you. Christ is becoming beautiful to you. And your heart starts to cry out, Revelation 22, come Lord Jesus, come. Not just because you want to go to heaven, but because you want more of Christ face to face in heaven. Come Lord Jesus, come. But that typically happens, I think, gradually in a Christian's life over time. You know, Jesus in the Bible, he healed a man's eyes on one occasion. And the first time Jesus touched his eyes, he could see, but not clearly. So Jesus touched his eyes again, and he saw clearly. And I think that was probably a message from Jesus to us, saying that he will often heal our spiritual sight in this life in stages. 
seeing more and more of his glory over time. And you, you go all in as this thing is happening, joyfully giving up to have more of Christ like this man here. But I want you to pause and think about something. Can you imagine what this man's family and his friend thought about his transaction here? As he now sells everything, all he's ever worked for, his, his home, his, his animals, his, his clothes, to buy a field as far as they know. And doing it with joy, buying this field. Smiling, whistling as he goes to buy this field. This man's family, his friends would have thought, you are a complete and utter fool. You're an idiot. Insane. And this man did not give a rip what his family and friends thought. Because he knew something they didn't know. He saw something they couldn't see. He knew there's a treasure in that field. He knew that this exchange, this was the greatest trade-off in human history. He, he was giving up pennies for trillions. He was giving up nothing for everything. And, and when you truly see, begin to see this treasure of Christ in the field, and you begin to go all in in your life, your family and friends might think you're a fool too. Now let me back up. They will. If they haven't seen the treasure that is in Christ Jesus. Give up everything for him, fool but you know something they just can't know yet because they haven't had light in the soul yet. You know you're exchanged the greatest in human history, giving up pennies for trillions, giving up nothing for everything, no cost at all to you because of what you gain in Christ. But they will never understand until they see it. They won't understand why you in great joy would ever say you can have all this world. But give me Christ. Give me Christ. Because you found an all-surpassing treasure. That is the testimony of these children this morning. They don't see perfectly at this point. But they're standing up and saying today. We think Christ is that treasure. And God will help them. God will sustain them. God will help them to renounce over time. Those things that they need to renounce. He's very gracious and tender and kind. But that's what we're celebrating. That's Christianity. Listen, that is who we are as a church. We're nothing great in and of ourselves. We truly are a bunch of yahoos if you've been around here so long. We forget, actually, that there's a baptism when we're out in the bathroom or something like that. Josh Williams. <laughs> you got to train up church planners, and sometimes you got to be a little bit sharp, you know? Get them ready. Well, seriously, a bunch of sinners in here. We're, but we're saved by grace, and... We found a treasure. That, that's it. We're just a church that found a treasure. And none of us see this treasure perfectly, yet all of us still looking at the treasure, as the Bible says, through a glass dimly right now. We don't see it perfectly right now. He's <laughs> still very fuzzy to us. But we have caught a glimpse of the radiant, glorious, all-surpassing worth of Christ. And we now do treasure Christ in this church. And please hear me, as we now go through this little season of feasting, you know, that could change in a heartbeat. 
I hope it goes on till Jesus returns, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, times of famine, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll take the feasting. While we go through this time, while we're growing, while we transition to a, a new facility, enjoy church planning, let's enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Give thanks to God, and let's not forget who we are. Let's continue as a church to treasure Christ above all other things. We don't want to treasure growth. We don't want to treasure a facility. We don't want to treasure church planting. We are a church that treasures Christ. Not perfectly. We've seen Him. And you know, let's keep doing it. But here's the thing, when it comes to this treasuring Christ thing, there's really nothing we can do to force ourselves to find joy in Christ. You can't force yourself or anyone else for that matter to see Christ more clearly or to know Him more deeply or find more joy in, in Christ. We can't force ourselves to treasure Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that can do that and help us to see more clearly and really begin to treasure Christ. But you know, there is one thing we can do as a church. We can just keep relentlessly pointing all of us to Christ. We can just keep relentlessly setting Christ before all of our eyes in every sermon we preach, preaching about Christ, singing about Christ, talking about Christ in our life groups, reading about Christ in our homes, just relentlessly pointing to Christ. Look, look at Him. Look at Jesus. And then we just step back and say, Oh Lord, now open our hearts that we might see Him more clearly. That our affections would be gripped more deeply for the Lord Jesus Christ. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, for we want to see Jesus. And in seeing Jesus more clearly, you know what happens? You end up worshiping Jesus. Because worship is all about the affections of the heart. Falling in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's enjoy the ride, Christ Redeemer Church. But man, may God help us above all things to treasure the infinitely valuable treasure. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We praise you. Lord God, all of it is grace. We, it, we, you know, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking about this today apart from your grace. Apart from your grace opening our eyes and you being merciful to us and you just giving us a little glimpse of Jesus and every glimpse we get, it just, it just fuels the flames and we long for more. We long for more and then you allow us to see just a little bit more and we long for more and we give up more and we long for more and see more and give up more and we just ask, yes, Lord, will you continue to do this? And Father, anyone here today who, it's just, their, their talk of following Christ is just words. We see in the Bible so much of that. Just people who followed you, Lord Jesus, in words, but when push came to shove, they walked. And I would just pray for anybody here like that now, that Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bring conviction. You would show that faith to be a dead faith. A profession of faith in the mouth, but not yet a possession of faith in the heart. I pray for your conviction, Lord God. I pray, Father, just across this room that you would open our hearts. That you would help us to see. You'd help us to hear. 
And Father, you cause the affections of our hearts to be gripped more with the Lord Jesus. And we just begin letting go of facilities or church growth or church planning or money or fame or whatever it could be for our church or for us individually. Lord, do this work in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Be gracious to us, Lord, we pray. And we thank you, Father, that in and through Christ, you are supremely gracious. And we do look forward to the day when we will see you, God, face to face. Seeing and savoring your infinite glory forever and ever. The thing we were created to see and enjoy. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.